And welcome back to the Social Studies Podcast, the podcast where we study being social by being social. Got a cool episode for y'all today. Uh, actually, we're, I have a guest. I have a guest today. Mr. Williams is on the Social Studies Podcast. You might know him from the Tickety Tockety. You might know him from the something else. I don't know. But before we get into that, so the Patreon is growing. Just want to let you guys know that this Thursday, April 29th at 5.30 Pacific is the Zoom Teacher Comedy Show. I have teacher comedians from all over the world who are going to be performing for us. It's going to be hysterical. Everyone in Patreon, you guys already have access to this. If you would like to join, become a Patreon member, everything that you need to join the comedy show is in there, the Zoom link and the password, but you also get more perks too. You get bonus episodes of all of the podcasts and you get ticket links before anybody else. So there are definitely perks there. Five bucks, five bucks, five bucks. You get all of that. That's cheaper than one cup of coffee for a month's worth of content, which I'm going to go ahead and say I think that's a deal. But hey to our newest Patreon members. I thank you guys so much for joining and for keeping the podcast going because that's how we keep it funded through the Patreon. Thank you so much. Michelle Grossman, Esme Jacobson, Anna Bayes, Kayla Hickson, Nolani Murray, Sarah Elam, Jessica Brandsterter, Kristen Friend, Cherry Rega, Caitlin, just Caitlin, Nicole Kelly Giuri. Lindsay Berg, Mary Ann Powell. Thank you guys so much for coming over to Patreon land. And you guys can join Patreon too. Patreon.com slash Joe Dombrowski. Patreon.com slash Joe Dombrowski. Patreon.com slash Joe Dombrowski. We'll see you there. Let me talk to you about the insanity known as remote teaching. That's right. We had spring break two weeks ago. We went remote for this entire week as a buffer. It was um, nothing short of a full-blown anxiety attack. Let me tell you what. This should have never happened. All right. Children were not made to learn over the internet. Let that sink in, okay? There are two things that I really don't like about the profession. The first one I always had not liked. The second one I started to not like when it happened and it was remote teaching. But the first one you might argue with me about a little bit, okay? Field trips. Hell no. Hell no to a field trip. People are like, Joe, why? Why don't you like field trips? Listen, Unless you're willing to share your Xanax with me on the bus there, no one should have to endure the psychological pain that comes from a field trip. For those of you listening who are not a teacher and you have a small child that is in school or will be in school, let me just back this train up for you. You have to prepare for a field trip about three to four months in advance. It is nonstop back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with wherever the hell you're going. Then you have to track down money from all of the families to get it to happen. One time, all of my field trip money was stolen. Stolen, okay? Swear to God on my life it wasn't me. 
But someone did. When your field trip money comes up missing, do you know who they look at first? You, the teacher. So I'm over here like, I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm 23 at the time. It's like my first or second year teaching. I literally look like it probably was me. And I'm over here like, I don't know what to tell you guys. <laughs> I know all signs point to, I probably have a little bit of debt at the bar that I have to pay off. But no, I did not steal the field trip money to Greenfield Village. Okay. For those of you who don't know, Greenfield Village is like the field trip destination of Michigan. At some point in your career as a child, you go on a field trip to Greenfield Village. In some point in your career as a teacher, you're planning a field trip to Greenfield Village. Greenfield Village is a step back in time. You get onto the grounds. They have all these old houses that are like the actual houses of like Webster's Dictionary. They have like his old house. The Wright brothers, they have their old house. They have all this old stuff. It's an experience. I can't go back. Why? I lost a kid. I lost a kid at Greenfield Village. Do you know that that haunts me every day of my life? Of my life. Spoiler alert, found him. We found him, you know, well before we had to put his face on a milk carton. In reality, I probably only lost him for maybe like 25 minutes. And then here's the thing. He came running around the corner from the bathroom. He's like, I'm so sorry. I had to take a big poop. I'm like, literally, literally, there, there is not enough tequila in my flask to get me through the bus trip home on this. Then on top of that, as a teacher, you're like, looked at that there's this expectation that you have to take the class on a field trip. I don't have to take the class on a field trip. Let me tell you what, every class is different. If I got a class of unmanageables, which happens, what makes you think I'm going to take them out into the wild without their parents? Newsflash, sweet cheeks. I'm not. Why? Because I am sane. That's why. Then you have to deal with the parents who are going to throw a childlike tantrum when they can't be the chaperone. You can only take so many chaperones and then the place charges you more or the bus only has so much space. I can only do so much. What do you want me to do? And then they come complaining to you. It's like, I, I teach your kids, not you. All right. Until you can show me the five keys of kindness that our school embodies, like kindness, respect, responsibility, and do other things that don't matter because I didn't say them. Until you can learn that, get out of my classroom. I always hoped that a parent would give me a bribe for a field trip because I am not below that. <laughs> I think for legal purposes, I need to tell you that that's a joke. Also, if any of the parents of my students are listening to... Yeah, I'm not below that. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just joking. But okay, so there's field trips. And then the other thing is this remote teaching. I had a student today when we finished our first session. She's five, mind you. She looks at me. She goes, um, Mr. D, I just want to let you know my cat is injured. So when we come back, if you could just, you know, keep it down. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. You want me to keep it down for your cat? 
let me tell you what. I did not go and get two degrees to make IEP accommodations for your cat. All right, there's that. Also, I'm highly allergic. The The dander is infiltrating my home through Zoom, all right? So before I go into anaphylactic shock, I suggest you either turn down the volume or put your cat in another room. This particular kid can't put her cat away. It's like her best friend. Is it cute? Yes, it's adorable. But she pets the cat's face all day, which means that I get a direct view straight into this cat's butthole. I'm looking at this cat's brown eye the entire time I'm teaching. Look, get your, Go to a mirror right now and purse your lips like you're making a kissy face, but leave a little bit of space in the middle. That's what I see. That's what I see. Get your cat back. I got something to teach. This isn't veterinary school, okay? Get gone. Our guest today is probably the number one person who you guys write me about asking to have on the podcast. There are so many similarities between us. Mr. Williams, he teaches pre-K in Pennsylvania in the Philly area. He is fabulously homosexual. I love him. Without further ado, welcome to the Social Studies Podcast, Tal Williams. Well, I did it for you guys. This is the person that I have tagged in all of my videos the most. This is the person whose videos I get tagged in the most. Uh, All y'all hoes have spoke and said that we are the same person. Here we are together. Welcome to the Social Studies Podcast. Tell Williams. What's up, Mr. Williams? (laughs) Absolutely nothing. Enjoying a cocktail with you. You're having a cocktail and I'm having a glass of red. What are you drinking? Um, I'm having a tequila sunrise, but the grenadine just kind of like floated. So it's more of just a uh, like a sunset at this point. It's a tequila sunset. It's a tequila sunset. <laughs> we're we're fine with that. I'm I'm here for this journey for you. Um, I do have to start by saying one thing to you. Oh, okay. Pre-K pause. Pre-K pause. <laughs> what is okay? Is this something you do in your classroom? Yes, it's just like a fun little call and response, but they don't really respond. It's just a way to get the room quiet for a moment, so I can give out important information. Important pre-K information. It's pre-K exactly. pause with two hands. Does it work? No, <laughs> no, I would say it works like 75% of the time. Okay. I know that life. I like, that's the thing about teaching that I tell people all the time. It's really, we're just, we're just really, really skilled dog trainers. A hundred percent. Just like a dog or like a animal that you're training. Like if you do the same thing over and over again, they're not going to do it anymore. And it's the same right. in the classroom. Yeah. I mean, once they get used to it or acclimated to it, they're on to something new. I've always referred to it as like doing stand-up comedy and getting no response at your punchline. I've never experienced this ever. In my life. <laughs> <laughs> <Just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, I have. <laughs> I think that though, I think that though that teaching makes you a better comedian. Well, you have a performance background too, right? I do, yeah. A lot of musical theater. Now, did you study it? I briefly did, and then I realized, oh. 
I'm not that great at this. Like, I definitely... I'm definitely community theater level great. I will <laughs> never, <laughs> I'm never going to be on Broadway. But I, I did study it for, briefly for about a semester or two. And then I was like, maybe this isn't the right fit for me. <laughs> Where'd you go to school? I went to school in Indiana. So I went to school at IPFW. Um, so it's a satellite school of both Indiana University and Purdue University. Combined together to make Combined one. Combined together. A beautiful school. Oh, we love this. We love this journey for you. No, okay, okay, okay. So you're an Indiana boy? You're a Midwest boy? I'm a Midwest boy, yeah. Me too. Is that why we vibe? I think it is. I'm from Michigan. No way. We're in Michigan. I'm from the Detroit area. Stop. That's like four hours away. Four hours away from me. I thought a couple times when I set my distance a little farther that you may have showed up once or twice. The distance on the distance distance, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that good distance. Because you on know the when app. you're on the app. When you got the <laughs> app and you live in the Midwest, you only got a couple tens of people oh, yeah. around you. You got to set that distance to 100. 100%. You're beep, it comes in at like 200 miles away. <laughs> Did you meet your husband on the apps? Kind of. It was over, oh God, okay, Cupid. No way. That's so straight. I know, right? So... Funny story, I went through a really bad breakup and I was like, I'm not going to date for a year. And that year turned into a little bit more than that. And um, my therapist, because we love self-care, was like, we love it. You need to go date. And so she made me make an internet profile. And I did. And the first person I found was my husband on there. And I was like, listen, I need you to go on a date with me so my therapist leaves me alone. And that's apparently not the best pickup line. So it took me like three weeks to convince him to go on a date with me. But eventually, he was from Kalamazoo, Michigan. So he was a Michigan, Michigander. Is that what you guys call? Michigander. Did he go to Western? He was in his doctorate program at Western. Yeah. At Western. Can I tell you what? We're the same person. Are we really? Do tell. Yeah, listen, I went through a breakup and I did this other thing that gays do, which is called waste no time. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah. So I got on the apps. I decided to go for Tinder, which let's educate this. The the audience that we're speaking to right now is yes. predominantly straight women, yes. mainly teachers, lots of moms. But have you ever noticed when you talk about Tinder to straight girls, they think it's like the sleaziest thing. And you're like, honey, for the gays, <laughs> Tinder is like, I might as well be applying to date royalty. A hundred percent. Like I've seen Prince Harry on that app. Um, 100. Tinder is the classy, bougie place that we go like i thought it was upscale oh it is upscale uh, our apps are what you see at the back of a denny's in the dumpster like that's <laughs> in the back of the back of the denny's <laughs> girl did you see that tiktok that was like tops be like i got a place and then the guy like walks <laughs> behind a dumpster did you see that i was dead i was, I was dead like, I, I think I would have laughed harder if I didn't feel that so personally. And I was like, oh, no, we've all been there. We can't judge. We've all been there. I was like, oh, my God. It was TikTok. This is the thing about TikTok. Do you feel like TikTok knows you better than you know yourself? TikTok knows me like freakishly well. Like it will give me videos that I find hilarious. And then I'm like, I can't wait to share this with my friends. And I send it to them. And they're like, tell this is not funny um <laughs> it creepily knows me like very very well like, to a t like scary 
Yeah. We need to talk to the algorithm writer of the app. It like says things to me and I'm like, ooh, ooh. It's like, are you going, you're going through a really, like someone will pop up. You're going through a really hard time right now. Like there's something in your career that's going to have a big shift. I'm like, I didn't know that TikTok was like my internet horoscope app now. Yeah, it's Miss Cleo of, of social media apps. How did your TikTok journey start? Because you just hit a milestone. You beat me to it. I wanted to be one of the first teachers to hit a milli. We had two teachers hit a milli this week, you being one of them. And I'm here for it. If I'm here, I'm here for it because it's you. If it wasn't you, I'd cut a bitch. But, <laughs> but, but, you know, you got to bring praise when the family gets good things. So, what, how did this start? So, my brother in law, um, my sisters and I have this group chat, is what, what, the, what the youngsters call it. And uh, he was like, tell, we'd always send each other TikToks. He's like, you could make TikToks. And I was like, no, I'm not funny on camera. I might be funny like in the theater world or in person because I've done stand-up before, but I don't think I resonate. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, We're going to get to that. Okay. Um, So I was like, I don't think I read on camera. I don't think I'm funny on camera. And so finally, after so long and being in a grad program and just being sick of work and school constantly, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna make one. And so I did. And I don't know why, but it did well. And I made a second and a third and a fourth. I'm like, do people think I'm funny? And so I don't know, it just took off from there. And it was a fun little outlet for a while. And then it just literally exploded. I've only been on it for like six months. And I feel very fortunate to have the uh, audience I do. I remember when I first found you, I'm going to redo this. So I remember I found you because so many people, and it still happens to this day, I get tagged anytime you post anything. People are like, this is you, Joe. This is you. Like, this is, and I'm like, it is. It is me. Like, these are the exact things that I do, I would say. Also, yes, we're both gay and teachers. We know. I'm going to go in our messages. What's the first thing we said to each other? Oh, I added you and you go, I'm going to go fangirl now. Be right back in a moment. <laughs> and I said, LOL, it's just little old me. <laughs> and, and then I said, honestly, I just watched all of your videos and I have to admit, I also see it. Oh, because you said the amount of times that people have said to me, you know who you remind me of. So you get it too. All the time. And I got it before TikTok was a thing, right? I would be at school and they're like, do you know who Mr. D is? And like, I'd be like, what? <laughs> um, and of course I knew who you were. And so they would tell me this all the time. And if I, was, if I wasn't such like a fangirl of yours, I would be like, oh, stop it. Um, and so, <laughs> and I don't even remember because I don't know exactly, still don't know how TikTok works. All I know is that I don't know who followed who first, but I know that it notified me that we followed each other. And I was like squealing to my husband. And I like <laughs> immediately like called my sisters because for years I've been like, it's it's nice to be a, a queer male presenting teacher and seeing yourself represented, I guess, in the public light. And you were the first time I ever saw that. And I was like, oh my God, it's it's me. It's not me, but it's it's me. Like I'm being represented. And then to have this person you looked up to follow you. And I was like, oh my God, um, it was such a moment for me. <laughs> Ew, make me cry. I hate it. I'm feeling emotions for the first time in a long time. Thank you. I, yeah. That, that means I actually, that, what are the things, you know how it is. You've been teaching almost 10 years, right? 
Uh, I just like took over really hard swallow. Um, I, I, <laughs> 10 years. Um, nine. 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 Okay. Yeah. Because I know we're right around the same age. Right. I, so in the beginning of my career, I'm sure it was the same with you. I didn't know how to handle it because all through my undergrad, it was I was being told at school, like, don't talk about this. Like, right. don't let your gay show, like all that type of stuff. And like, it was really hard. And then eventually you get to the point where you're just like, screw it. I have to be myself because it didn't. Did you feel like you had to go back in the closet when you started teaching? My first year, 100%. Um, I had a very odd experience going into teaching. I didn't go to school for teaching. I went to school for oh, interpersonal. Oh, you didn't? No. I went to school for interpersonal community. This is going to be hopefully not too risque. I went to school for interpersonal communications in the hopes to become a sex therapist. Oh, no, no, not too risque at all. We're right. here for it. So I, I stopped and I, I, I mean, was looking at, you know, going to grad school and what do you do after, after school? And that's when I was going through my breakup and my mom was a social worker for the school at the time. And she was like, listen, you can't just like sit on the couch all day. Why don't you sub for the school? And I did that for two months. And then um, I long-term subbed in a classroom and um, this specific classroom had co-teachers and one of them quit. And they said, you want to take her spot? And I was like, I have no training. Um, but they're, you're kind of a natural at this. So they actually paid for me to go get my licensing, to go get all my credentials for like two years. So my first year, I felt very much like I couldn't say anything because I didn't have the background. So not only was I not told don't say this, but I had this internalized, I have to stay in the closet because I'm from, I mean, you get it being from Michigan, you're from this conservative red area in Indiana. We gave you Mike Pence. I mean, like I was, I was like, I can't come out of the closet. I can't say anything. So I totally get it. Yeah. I was scared to say anything about being gay. but and, and I was too. And it was like such a horrible feeling. And I actually went on a um, business trip with my entire staff. Oh my gosh, to Indiana, Indianapolis. That's funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, we were like getting living our best lives. And then I uh, started the night and then we all started drinking. And then when I start drinking, I like get really gay. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh my God. I was just like, and I remember I was like doing impressions of Madonna and my boss sat down and had like one more drink with me, but like everybody else went to bed and I like officially came out to her and she's like, like, yeah, first of all, Nice try. <laughs> but, like, but second of all, she was like, we like, we love you for you. Like, I want you to be yourself. That's like important that you're, you know, representing other kids who like see themselves in you. Because I also had a kid in my class at the time who we were like, there's a probability here that you're going to have like a sexual identity that's not heterosexual. Right. So, so then I thought about that a lot too. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And then I just started being myself and then starting being myself on the internet. And it was just like fulfilling, which I think is why it is. I think that's why like our internet presence works is because we're authentically being who we are. A hundred percent. I think there's something to say about being unapologetically yourself. And I think that resonates with people. And I think it changes minds. I think people come to both of our social media presences and say, um, oh my God, they're so funny. Or I really identify with this. And even if they're not a teacher, if they're a parent, they say, that's really funny. And they have, they're just kind of forced to like you. Um, and I think that's how you draw people in, in a sense. Um, for me, it was, it was my first year I felt bad, but it was easy not to talk about being gay 
And then it, w- it wasn't until I either saw it in my students or I saw it um, in some of my students' parents who were, you know, same-sex couples or queer or trans. And then I met my husband. I thought, oh my God, I remember being a kid and I just wish I had one a, a, a male presenting teacher would have been great, but then having an effeminate or a queer male presenting teacher would have been life changing for me. I would have been so repressed. And I thought, oh my God, I have a duty to do that. So anytime we had a family day, I was like, this is my fiance at the time, or now it's, this is my husband. Um, and for the most part, it's been pretty well received. Thank I God. love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love it. I mean, like, the the sad part about being gay is that like you will experience hate at some point in your life in your career yeah and it's just like it's ridiculous but i think that i do think that it's cool that what we're doing is bringing i do hear from the little the young little gay boys on the internet me too it doesn't just like send you to this deep place of like i'm gonna cry it does and then it's always i love it when it's over a message or a DM where I can respond. It breaks my heart when it happens if I go live on Instagram or TikTok and they're like, I'm trying to come out to my family. How do I do it? And I'm like, don't ask me this on a live. Like, I want to be able to sit and take time with you and and discuss it with you because I've been there, but we didn't have TikTok or Instagram. We had AIM chat rooms. Oh my God, right. And like, that was not the place. (laughs) Right. The only gay that I remember seeing on MySpace was Jeffree Star and and like me, like not identifying with that, but being like, right. is this what gay is? <laughs> like there were, we had nothing to look up to. It was that or queer uh, or queer as folk, which I used Chris, to sneak yeah. and watch. <laughs> right. Right. My guilty pleasure was um, Nip Tuck because Nip Tuck yes. had it was like one of Ryan Murphy's first shows, but it had like one of the first queer couples I've ever seen. I'm like, oh my God, that's me. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy how this In the works. most messed up way. Um, it's, I mean, I'm, I like it. Wait, before I talk to you about teaching, I want to talk to you, you said you were, you dabbled in the art of stand-up comedy. I, I did, yeah. Tell me this from start to finish. How did this start come about? So, you were, wait, I know how it started. People were like, bitch, you're funny. You hit an open mic. Did, yes, kind of. So in Indiana, there's not, if you can imagine Indiana, it's a it's a flat, just cornfield area. And they did this thing called LGBT voices. And what it was is they wanted people to come in and do these like 10 minute snippets of their lives or stories uh, about what it means to be queer. And um, my mom had just passed away. So I thought they wanted me to talk about this dramatic thing about my mother passing away and how, you know, a Puerto Rican queer boy came out to his mother and they were like, no, can you please do something funny? Like everyone is doing something so depressing, but like important, but please do something funny. I was like, okay. So I went there and I talked about the time that I went on a date. It was my last year of being in college And I went on a date and I got food poisoning and had to go take my final for history. And I pooped my pants during my final (laughs) and people ate it up. And so I was like, I got this. And so there's a couple of like open mic things in Indiana that I went to where I would just tell stories of funny things that happened to me. And it was really well received. And I'm like, I'm doing amazing. Like I am (laughs) the moment. And then I decided to do not a story, but just you know, try the actual um, stand up and not talk about specific stories, but just try to be funny. And I 
floundered, drowned. Really? Because it wasn't what I knew. It wasn't, I tried to do something that wasn't me. And the thing people think is funny is that I make fun of myself in teaching and in the everyday world. So I floundered. So if it's not a real life story, I found that I can't, I can't make it funny. (laughs) But that is, but that's all that I do. I literally take these stories and concepts that happen in the classroom and expand on them and write them into like a joke. I think you got it. I think you're going to go back. We'll do it. We'll do a two woman show. (laughs) (laughs) I'm into it. All right. So pre-K, how are you liking that? Because this is actually my first year ever teaching kindergarten and I'm, dare I say, obsessed. Fun, right? Like the things they say. So full disclosure, I, when I was in Indiana, I taught what's called the Head Start program. Oh, love it. And yeah. Love, I love Head Start. I can't get enough of it. And so Head Start is three, four and five-year-olds in the same classroom. If you can imagine, that's a huge age gap. But I, you're doing more than teaching at that point. You're a social worker, you're a caretaker, you're, you're a bunch of things. And I just fell in love with these kids and I felt like I was making an actual difference in what I was doing. Now I'm doing preschool, which turns out preschool and pre-K are totally different things. I had no idea until I moved to Pennsylvania, until I moved to the Philly area. So I'm doing four-year-olds right now instead of fives. It's a whole different realm. And it's so funny. And I just love these kids. What's the difference between fours and fives, though? Because I have mainly fives still. It's late in the school year, but my kindergartners are young. But like, I always look at, because pre-K is right across the hall from me, and I look at those little babies, and I'm like, I don't, like, I think, like, I I could do it, but I don't know that I'd want to. (laughs) But like, so what would you say is the biggest difference? I I feel like... And this could just be me talking, but I feel like the younger they are, the more they love their teacher and want to impress them, right? Mm -hmm. And as you get older, they kind of show their butts a little bit and they just want to stand out and be like, kind of like just like a little turd and like be funny. So I feel like the younger they are, the more they appreciate their teacher. But they're also like, you get them at this moment where I, although like academics is very important, I think you as a kindergarten teacher can agree with this. Um, I have a kinder, the kindergarten ready testing or the KRT. I don't know if you have that where the you're cart. at. <laughs> cart. Um, where we have, there's a, there's a, an assessment that kids have to do at the end of the year to see if they're kindergarten ready. And I always take that and implement it throughout the year. But my main focus is social and emotional skills because if yes, a child honey. isn't socially and emotionally ready to learn, their academics are going to completely go on the wayside. And so starting with Head Start was great with that because I mean, I would have students that came in who didn't, you know, didn't have their hair brushed, didn't have their teeth brushed. We would have to wet wipe them, you know, give them a bath. And when you start to realize that that we need to focus on the social and emotional aspect and make them feel safe in their environment, we can pass them off to kindergarten and say, they're ready to learn for you. So I always had kindergarten teachers that were like, thank you. They're ahead of the game. How did you do it? And it's always we make them feel safe and then we teach academics. And I love teaching the safety part. I love that. I really love that because it's so important to it. Like you can't, you can't get to the mind without first passing through the heart. Right. Which we know. So what, but what are the academics though? Like when you, (sighs) like, is it, cause, cause I have, it runs the gamut in kindergarten. I have a couple that can't write their names still. And I have a couple that are reading at a second grade level. It's like unbelievable. It's, 
So I remember being in Indiana doing Head Start because Head Start, what they essentially want you to do is they want to take these kids that are, I mean, I was a Head Start child. So I'll, I'll be the first one to say my, I, I was a Head Start student and um, then my mom eventually worked for Head Start. But um, they want to take these children that they deem are underprivileged and give them a Head Start, give them a, a fighting chance with the rest of the, the population, right? So we hammer, especially second semester of their pre-K, the academic side, because kids lose so much over the summer if you're not at an all-year school. So we focus on, by the end of their um, second year, because some of them are two years, by the, by the time they go to kindergarten, we want them to know uppercase and lowercase letters. So all 26 of uppercase, all 26 of lowercase. Um, identify numbers 1 through 20, 1 to 1 corresponds of 1 through 50. And then we want them to be able to write their first and last name, phone number, and some of their address, or at least know where they're at. And then just like little things like we want them to be able to like attend for a minute of their age. So if they're six, we want them to be able to sit quietly with nothing to do for six minutes, five minutes, four minutes, three minutes. And then book literacy, which confuses people. We don't want them to be able to read. We want them to be able to know. Yeah, we want them to be able to hold the book, flip the page. We want them to know who the author and um, I was almost the director, the author and the illustrator are. So it's it's concepts. It's so funny to be teaching young children and to say these concepts. People are like, "What?" People do this all the time, but it doesn't. It's not a natural thing that kids learn. They look at me. They're they're not reading sight words. I'm like, no, they're four. Right. Like it's not <laughs> it's not appropriate for a three and four year old to know how to read yet. <laughs> right, right, and it, it's so funny too because I even argue that in kindergarten because you know, it's, it's almost like puberty. Everybody starts at a different time. And like, I have some readers who are not reading at what is the kindergarten expectation, but it's like, what is the kindergarten expectation? Because that's an expectation that is, we're putting a blanket statement on all kids when they're not all developing in the same way. So in our class, we say a lot of like, we're, we're actually not looking for perfect. We're looking for your very best. And we're always praising them when they show what their very best is. Do you love it? Oh, I I love it. I feel like it's like a relationship. You have to wake up and choose your job every day, right? Because especially being males in this field, we could go anywhere and we would probably be hired almost immediately because people love male teachers in early childhood. So you have to wake up and choose it every day. And I wake up and choose it every day. It's stressful. It's hard. Sometimes the kids make me drink more than one cocktail a night, but I love it. I, do I love that. that. I love that. We are just out of time. But before we go, for those of you who do not know Mr. Williams, tell Williams, where can they find you on the World Wide Web? Um, they can find me on Instagram and on TikTok. It's uh, Mr. Williams Pre-K. Ooh, Mr. Williams Pre-K pause, if you will. Pause, if you will. <laughs> you guys, this was awesome. Thank you so much for for you. It was you guys who suggested that you wanted to have Tal on the podcast. So thank you for bringing him to us. I think this was awesome. I feel like I have a new friend and I hope you guys go follow him. You won't be let down. His pages are hysterical. Um, and until then, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.